Sons of the Hunt podcast, episode number 12. Moving along. Indeed, indeed. This is, this is one I've been, I've been excited about for a yeah. minute now. Uh, we've, we've got someone here uh, on the podcast uh, this episode that I've been following for quite a while. I've uh, become a, a bit of a fan of, of yours, uh, as has as Mark. Absolutely. Uh, become a, a bit of a friend of ours, but a friend to everybody listening, whether you know it or not. Uh, that's uh, Harold Dobb. Uh, he's uh, got a couple of hats, if you will. Uh, he's came uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a way to come up and join us this evening and sit down and talk, uh, talk about a whole mess of stuff. So strap in, ladies and gentlemen, crack a beer, and uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, so uh, Harold Dobb, Dobber, thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for, for having me here. Yes, guys. sir. No, it's it's yeah. it's absolute pleasure having oh, you here. I'm, so as a whole, I appreciate you coming. Oh, no problem, no problem. I I was looking forward to the drive up. You know, I live in northern Dolphin County, so it's about a two-hour drive, so it was driving gives me time to think, so. Indeed. There you go. It's a good way to look at it. I'm really happy to be on your show. Uh, (laughs) You know, the the younger guys that I work with on the Sunday hunting stuff just thinks the world of you guys and means a lot to have us on here being represented so thank you guys very much well we, we mark and i likewise, feel pretty strongly yeah, yeah. It, it, it's mutual i mean we feel pretty strongly about the sunday hunting i know there's a lot of detractors out there and you know everyone has a right to their opinion and that's fine absolutely and if there, if nothing else we've we've you know tried to respect everyone's opinions uh you know i haven't honestly heard a really good reason yet opposing it but i'm sure there's probably one out there and you may have heard one or two yourself but you know it's there's so much to be gained uh, through through passing uh, the Sunday hunting, and again, I'm kind of like we're flying right out of the gate here. Um, but you know, with with Hush, I don't exactly know what your your title was to be honest with you. I know your title and other <clears throat> yeah. I was formats, the executive but... director at Hush okay. up until um, beginning of April, and then um, I decided to to join a state organization. Um, quit my real job, mm-hmm. so to speak, and uh, become the executive director of Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists. Um, at, at Hush, um, two Januaries ago, I just had uh, I'd picked up on Facebook that a Sunday hunting working group page was starting to get a lot of hits, a lot of new people joining it through the fall. And that inspired me to ramp this thing up one more time because, you know, there's been people out there fighting for this over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've been fighting for it for probably about 10 and um, just been beaten down and beaten down. But I noticed that um, the millennials is really what inspired me. Um, The millennial uh, generation was really starting to take off um, and wondering why are we, you know, restricted from our activity, from our recreation one day of the week. And it inspired me to go to a game commission meeting, and I stood up there as Harold Dobb, you know, Joe Public, and uh, I made a comment to the game commission, and that first comment I made really said, look, we need to leave deer behind. Let's let the legislators worry about deer. We need to, we need to sit down and figure out a way to work with the Farm Bureau and allow us to take our, our non-hunters be it youth, middle-aged people, or old people out, let us hunt groundhogs, squirrels. And, and really, the poster child for me was always pheasants. Mm-hmm. Because here Pennsylvania hunters are, and right now, you know, of course, we're, we're buying a permit to be able to hunt pheasants. But here we were buying a bird at a pretty good dollar amount. I think the studies that were done showed about $38 to put one in a person's vest or somewhere in that $30 range. And 
they're released and we can only hunt them half the weekend. And, um, you know, Sundays I would take my two labs over to the game lands where they were stocked and flush birds and watch red tail hawks chase them, <laughs> you know, into yeah. the, into the brush. Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of what I stood up there and said, you know, let's, let's leave deer behind. And it was funny because that happened about one o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, September 28th. Uh, and I happened to be going over to the Bass Pro there, there in Harrisburg. And we had a meeting scheduled that I had done on Facebook. You know, Facebook's a very powerful tool, um, that I, 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 I really like it. I know a lot of people have, you know, funny feelings about it, but, um, drove over there at two o'clock not knowing if there was going to be one person there or a hundred. And it was very flattering to have over 20 people. Some of them drove over two hours to meet with me. And I was absolutely not known by anybody at that point. And, um, we decided at that point that, you know, it's wrong to say, leave the deer behind. Um, what we decided to do is fix this thing and to fix this thing. It's real simple. We're not advocating for any species or any particular Sunday. We're advocating for the Pennsylvania Game Commission, our subject matter experts, to be the ones making these decisions. So from there, um, we then had a meeting scheduled for early March, and this goes back to 2017, or 2018, sorry. And um, at that meeting, which we held in the auditorium at the Pennsylvania Game Commission, not because the Game Commission, you know, was supporting us, but because we could get that venue at a very, very good rate. Right, right, right. And again, on Facebook, you know, we ramped it up. We had over 60 people show up. And at that point, we decided that we would be pushing this under the, the auspices of Hunters United for Sunday Hunting. It was an organization that um, was formed uh, back somewhere around 2011. And there was some infrastructure there that we could use with Facebook a Facebook page that had about 20,000 people on it. So we had a good base to start working from. And um, a couple of guys stood up uh, at that meeting and, and volunteered. And, you know, I want to give them a shout out here because um, a lot of people don't realize this, but since March of a year ago, there's been a group of about eight people every Tuesday night with very few exceptions. At nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, we have a, a meeting on the phone, a, a phone call, a call. Sometimes that meeting goes a half hour, but most times it probably goes an hour to an hour and a half. And um, guys like Kevin Askew, um, Doug Catbird, Randy Stevens, Carl Mockamer, um, Jared Clare, Tim Hellings. And I know I'm going to forget somebody, and I apologize. I'm, I'm not trying to discount anybody, but those guys gave of their lives and still are giving of their lives um, to sink a lot of time into this. And, and that's an inspiration just in itself. But we met every Tuesday. We would get, you know, plan strategy. Where are we going to be? We traveled around the state and did a couple of um, conferences here and there. We're out in Pittsburgh area. Um, through that, made contacts with groups like Steel City Bow Hunters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I follow those guys on, on Facebook, yeah, great group. you know, and um, this grassroots effort has just swelled up. And when, when you talk to the folks that have been into this thing 20 years ago, that's what's making a difference right now mm -hmm. is, um, you know, it, it's not a national organization that's pushed this. This, this grew up from grassroots in Pennsylvania. And, and it's, um, it's something that, that we're very proud of. Unfortunately, you know, it's not done yet. Right. Um, Senate Bill 147 got watered down a little more than, um, than what I would have liked to have seen it, but it's a start. I think we can do, we can do better, but 
I think um, if we can see this through, I think that um, if the governor signs this thing and he signs it relatively quickly in September, there are actions being done right now to allow us to start hunting this fall already. And I think that having the opportunity for families to hunt in Pennsylvania on a Sunday is going to do more for this effort than any amount of interviews and conferences because people will see the world doesn't end when you're right, out right. to hunt on a Sunday. Right. Well, you know, if, if nothing else, it's a bit of a catalyst for what you know. What's, what's to come to kind of get that taste and see people actually going out because people are going to celebrate that. They no, are. I mean, they there's are, going yeah. to be a social media explosion on that first Sunday when you can hunt deer yeah. in Pennsylvania. I mean, you're going to see uh, a, a really, I, in my opinion, I think, is a very impressive display of, uh, you know, what's been wanted from a lot of people for a very long time. Uh, I mean, you know, with one thing I thought was cool with Hush is, you know, when you look at organizations like National Wild Turkey Federation, Pheasants Forever, you know, these organizations, they, they kind of center around a species, mm -hmm. you know, and they, mm -hmm. they're really, you know, for that particular species. What, what Hush has been able to do is, is several things. Is, is One is take supporters of all those species and kind of combine them into a, a singular focus uh, for something like Sunday hunting. But Absolutely. It, it's been, you know, where I, I just became friends with uh, Senator Dan Laughlin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's been working with, he's a Republican who's been working with Democrats towards a common goal. So you got guys reaching across aisles here, which is not something well, you see very frequently. Let me tell you, if conservationists don't catch on very, very quickly, that they better be splitting. They, they conservationists of all people should be looking to split their ticket and find the right person for that job mm. when we go in the, into the ballot box because it's, um, it's not all by party. And sadly, I'm going to call out the Republicans here a little bit. Sadly, in Pennsylvania, it is the Republican Party that is holding us up for Sunday hunting. A lot of people don't want to, you know, face that truth um, because on a national level, obviously, the Democratic Party has some anti-gun platforms Indeed. that, um, you know, guys like us probably don't agree with. But unfortunately here in Pennsylvania, it's been the Republicans that have been holding back, you know, good conservation decisions. So I'm really glad to see that we started to be able to work through that. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy about the three days that are, are in this current bill as it was amended. Um, but it certainly is a good start because sure. let's face it, guys, the three of us in this room, if legislation passed tomorrow that we could only hunt one day of the week, instead of having one we couldn't hunt, imagine the scenario where you could only hunt on a Monday. Guys like us would figure it out. Yeah. We would still figure it out and we'd get out there and we'd hunt. This is not about the hardcore hunter. And that's some of the, some of the blowback you get from the hunting community are people that aren't thinking about it that way. We don't really have a problem with the hardcore hunter. What we have a problem with are the, the, the young guys, young families, people that are young in their careers. They don't have seniority. They can't get the time off. And I can tell you travel in this state, you know, a lot of people want to say this is about youth. Well, I guarantee you that the first person that really struck me when I traveled around Pennsylvania was in Schuylkill County. 
I was talking to the Schuylkill County Sportsman's Association, and at the end of the discussion, um, an older gentleman made eye contact with me and stood up, and he was coming towards the front of the room, and I, I thought, oh, here, here it comes. You know, it's yeah. usually guys that look like me with gray hair that uh, really want to, you know, bust my butt on this thing. And this man walked up to me and stuck his hand out, and he got a tear in his eye. I'm not exaggerating. He got a tear in his eye, and he said, Harold, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you can get this done quickly because I'm 84 years old. I can't hunt by myself. My son works during the week, and we can't hunt together in the evenings. And my grandchildren are all in sports on Saturdays, and we're typically during hunting season out at a sporting event on a Saturday. But Sunday afternoon after church is a time that I could start hunting again and making memories with my son and my grandchildren, and I hope you can get this done in time. I went home that night, and I couldn't, I couldn't get that guy yeah. out of my mind. This is not a push for youth. It's not a push for that 84-year-old guy. It's a push for everybody. everybody. It's a push for everybody that isn't hardcore but has an interest in conservation. There's 480 species in Pennsylvania that are counting on us hunters to provide the funding to ensure that they have the right habitat and the right management and the right protection. And we don't get that contribution out of any other stakeholder. And it's really sad when you think about it that in Pennsylvania, the hunter is the only person, only stakeholder, only recreational activity that is restricted one day of the week from doing their activity. And here's the important part, even on our own land. And by on our own land, I am referring to state game lands because state game lands were purchased with hunters' dollars. Yep. People want to argue about, well, no, you know, um, the, the recreational shooters are contributing to Pittman-Robertson funding and some of that goes into that. Let me tell you, PR funding only comes out of the bucket when a hunting license is sold. Mm. There's a lot of people putting money in that bucket, but unless there's a hunting license sold, it stays in that bucket. And when you say PR, it's Pittman-Robertson. Pittman-Robertson uh, funding. To be clear, because again, yes. we, we, we've talked about that a couple of times, and we try to string it in as often as we can, just because a lot of people aren't, aren't really familiar with it. So, and I always tell people, Google it. Google it. It'll take you two minutes to get right. that aha moment. You That's know right. Because I mean? it, it's, a, it's a vital uh, step that was taken years ago a long long time ago back in the 40s i believe it was yes it was and uh and it's i mean at the, the request of conservationists of, of hunters, of hunters. And conservationists and when put, there wasn't a lot of things to hunt back then imagine someone saying hey put a tax on me i want to contribute to this mm -hmm. i haven't heard too many other groups doing that no. right right and it's something that's stood firm since and, and has done tremendous work i mean the, i i i i just told this story on uh i think one of the last two podcasts ago where I talking to a friend of mine who's not a hunter and I was trying to explain to him the amount of money that 5% of the population puts into the economy with billions of dollars, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what, you know, it, as a whole, I mean, when you're talking about the, the taxes and the, the money you spend on hotels and how it trickles down and the amount of money that a small percentage of the population disperses throughout the nation in, in way of economy. And he could not believe it blown away. And the fact that places like the Game Commission are self-funded, like there's not a lot of taxpayer money. There's no taxpayer money right. goes into the Game Commission. Yeah, so it's all funded by 
you know, license sales and things of that Absolutely. nature. So, you know, it's and it, that's a rare thing to see in a state agency. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, whether, you know, pro, pro gain commission, con commission doesn't matter. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, this is how this works. And it's been a very uh, successful way of going about it for a very long time. So, you know, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it, it, I, I get at a loss for words sometimes. Cause it's like, I get so pet, like, I get in a little bit of a rampage about it. Not that that's not the right word, but you know, you want to just speak from the mountaintops I'm, and scream it with a bullhorn. I'm like, feeling you, brother. You know, and, and it, it's tough, but like you know, you, you say it's it, it the people who it would benefit. You know, Mark and I have mentored new hunters and what I guess it's affectionately being called uh, adult onset hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that that's a, a, a huge demographic because you know a, a guy, one of my good friends, Bill. He's not from a hunting family. Uh, he's an electrician. He's in the union. So he doesn't have a lot of, you know, if, if there's if there's work, he's working. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Saturday. He doesn't get Monday off for the first day of rifle season. It just doesn't work out. Nope. And he showed an interest. So it was kind of a little test. I'm like, well, listen, if you could pass your hunter safety course, I'll take you hunting. Because I've had plenty of people say, take me hunting. And, um, you know, okay, well, what do you do something? Like, you know, go out and do your hunter safety course. Well, I don't have time. Well, then you really don't want to go. Yeah. Well, this guy was hell-bent. He wanted to do it, and he passed his course, and so we, we went hunting, and Mark was kind enough to actually offer us a spot here on his property to hunt. And, you know, he's got a young boy who will most likely, if he gets into hunting, which he most likely will, he'll probably get his son into it. I mean, you can take a kid from a non-hunting family and take him out and take him hunting, and he might fall in love with it, but he doesn't have disposable income. So it's very challenging to maintain that with a youth hunter, unless you have the father, the the mother, the the family, the you know, the guardians, however you want to put it. If if they're not into it, it's going to be very challenging for that child to, to kind of maintain it. So to get into, like you said, the uh, the adult hunters and stuff like that, and to intrigue people and open up opportunities for people like that. I mean, they're just they're, we're building allies with people who otherwise wouldn't be yeah. a part of here's, our team. Here, here's the scary part, and there's and there's there's good news um, coming at the end of what I'm about to say. You know, the baby boomer generation that I'm right at the end of, it typically is considered people that were born by like 57, 58. I was born in 61. Um, so I'm kind of a, I don't know, boomer Xer or whatever the next yeah, generation yeah, you know, is. Fringe. I'm not even sure. You know, yeah. The fringe, yeah, we use that word yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm a fringe. <laughs> Um, but you had this huge baby boomer generation. And when you look at the history of Pennsylvania hunting sales, hunting license sales and participation rates, it was the, the baby boomer generation that drove the heyday of the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, where we had the 1.2 million man, third biggest army in the world kind of scenarios right, right. being painted. Um, but that started dropping off, you know, about 30 years ago. Okay, so who was born 30 years ago? Today's young parents. So as the baby boomer generation stopped hunting, that was considered a teaching class. So now the teaching class has stopped hunting. The next teaching class, right, never was introduced to it. And now here we are today with that teaching class that was never introduced having their children if we don't figure this out and open up some opportunity to recruit people back into the sport and reactivate those, 
that have retired from the sport, we're going to be in serious trouble. Now, the good news that I want to mention is you guys that are the millennials are a bigger generation than the baby boomers. So we had this groundswell of, of hunting and outdoor activity and outdoor interest from the baby boomers, and now we have an opportunity to see it again. We just need to open up the opportunity. And it's very, very important that people understand, as I said before, it's not about the hardcore hunter. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get, they're going to, you hear it all the time. Well, I make time to hunt. I take vacation or I do this or I do that. That's great. That's great that you can do that. But imagine if we continue to hemorrhage hunters like we are. You know, I saw statistics that said this past fall rifle season, about 550,000 people participated. Now, there were a little bit, you know, a little bit of an uptick in archery kills since back when we had 1.2 million hunters, probably, mm-hmm. you know, 30,000 more deer got, got shot by archers or something, some number out there, but not to half a million. And that's where we're at. Um, when you get to Sunday hunting and you're, and you're discussing Sunday hunting, especially in, in hunting circles, um, right now, uh, polling is showing that about 80% of the people support what we're trying to do with Senate mm-hmm. Bill 147. Um, and that's really good. Um, two Januarys ago, when I gave that opening speech at the Game Commission, we weren't even probably polling in the 50 percentile of people supporting it. And we, you know, embarked on a, a campaign of education. <clears throat> and I think people have responded very well to it. But you still, you know, you're not going to get everybody. You still have that 20, 25 percent that, um, that don't support it for various reasons. And some of those are hunters. We're not you know, we're not unanimous. Nobody's unanimous in everything when you get a big group like right, right. Of course. conservation still is. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's just, I'm like you. I get, I get I so wound up it, and so passionate about this. It's hard to find the words sometimes, <clears throat> yeah. you know. Um, and I completely lost uh, kind of where I was at there yeah, on well, that my, one. But... My brain outruns my mouth all yeah. the time, yeah. you know, or vice versa. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, you talk about, like, the, the education perspective, you know, like, you've kind of made it a, a, a reality for – a lot of people were always afraid to reach out to the representatives and say, you know, yeah. it was like a non-point. Like, well, are they going to really listen to me? Like, seriously, I'm going to call their office? Come on. Mm-hmm. And, and it's become such a big push through Hush to contact your senator, contact your legislator, reach out to these people. And that's been a very successful campaign. And uh, it's kind of demonstrated how effective that approach can be. Yeah. And we're in a big campaign right now. Um, As your listeners know, it it passed the Senate. Mm -hmm. It's going over to the House. House comes back into session in September. And now that it's at the, the representative level, representatives are very, very loyal, and they need to be, and I'm proud of them that they are, very, very loyal to their constituency. So I live in northern Dauphin County. If I called your representative up and say, this is Dauber, I live in Dauphin County, it really doesn't affect their vote. Right. Um, So your listeners need to get engaged. Pennsylvania conservationists, those that want to see the right moves made for conservation, need to get in contact with their representative. It's extremely important between now and September that everybody that wants to be heard gets heard because there are, there are, and we're not going to get everybody. 
there are pockets around the state. Lancaster County is a prime example that because of religion, they are not going to allow their representative to vote in support of this, right. you know, opening up of Sunday hunting. Um, this transfer of regulatory authority is what we really want to have go over to the game commission. That's just the whole concept. And that's something else people don't really understand about this is that if this is done right, it doesn't mean we're going to be hunting every species every Sunday of every weekend. What it means is the subject matter experts on Elmerton Avenue at the Pennsylvania Game Commission are going to be making decisions on what we can hunt and what we can't hunt based on resource-first mentality, meaning we don't want to hunt turkeys if they can't sustain that extra pressure. And nobody in Hunters United for Sunday Hunting, Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists, or any other conservation, or there's over 20 of uh, Pennsylvania conservation organizations that support what we're trying to get done here. None of us want this to be done through legislation and be a broad brush, we're going to hunt on a Sunday. Right. Um, that's not what this is about. Yeah. And I mean, just like we were we were talking about earlier is that I think people, you know, lose sight when they say, oh, sun- Sunday hunting, hunters just want this for themselves. Most don't. The, the the right people don't. They know that this is about conservation. This is about the species that we're hunting, and it was it was refreshing to hear you. you and species we're not hunting. Speak about that exactly. There's That's 480 species in Pennsylvania. Do you know how many we hunt? Uh, I'd say 12 to 15, Handful. maybe. Yeah, not many. Now keep in mind, like a duck, I'm just, I'm you have mallard duck, there. wood duck, okay. black duck. Sure, sure, sure. 67. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's more than I would have thought. Well, there's 67 still, species of wildlife that we to... hunt in Pennsylvania. Right. But there's 480 that depend on those Pennsylvania hunters to provide the game commission with the biggest chunk of their of their income. Now, right now, you know, with the the gas industry in a boom, um, we're lucky. We're seeing you know some benefit from that, um, but you can't count on that. Right. You know, that gas industry can change in a heartbeat. Yeah. So we got we to gotta figure out a way, guys, to get our non-hardcore hunter into going out there. You know, the millennial generation, and I admire the millennial generation very much, you guys are into knowing where your food came from, the or- organic food and, and the, the adventure the table. of hunting yep, and, I know, it's and the experience movie. of hunting. Your generation of all of them that I, you know, I've been teaching hunter education for over 20 years now. You guys know it's not about harvest, you know? It's part of the game, obviously. Otherwise, we'd all be out there with cameras. I don't know Mm -hmm. that we'd be enticed to pay. I just bought my hunting license. It was $155 till I was done with everything. Um, I don't think I'd spend that kind of money to take a picture. Right. But the reality of it is I, I spend $155 not to go out the worst season I ever had was a season where I went out the first day of archery season and killed a buck. Killed a mm-hmm. buck, yep. I mean, you we, know, we, first day of turkey season in the spring, you go out right at quarter of six in the morning and you shoot yeah, a turkey. Man, buck. what a long yeah. season you're you're yeah. in for, you know? Indeed, um, it's just it's just funny because everything that you've said, I just feel like what we have started and everything we've preached on this podcast thus far is kind of the embodiment of that. I mean, it, we, we have progressive views, and we know it, and not everyone jives with it. And just like you said, having to split your ticket, that's going to be a tough sell for, for most of the hunting community. But 
I told my friends if I wasn't if I wasn't actively involved in conservation like I am, what I would be involved in is starting a an organization called the Split Ticket Voter. Yeah, I mean, and that's. <laughs> I mean, we don't get into politics often on the podcast. Yeah, mostly we, we, because we avoid it. To be honest with you, because yeah. it's something that. But it's mostly because we don't tend to go far right or left one mm-hmm. way. And that's it. And and that's I think that's kind of typical of the millennial generation. Yes. You know, and I I hate to say it in in a, in a boastful manner, but it, it's always kind of like, well, let's base our decisions here on logic. Yes. Like, let's actually, you know, look at something and make a decision based on reason. What works best? There's a there's a right and there's a wrong. And you know we could, we could actually do some research and figure out the right way rather than involving emotion, mm-hmm. or, or saying, "All right, well, the rest of this party is going this way. We have to." Yeah, you yeah, know, that could be a, a huge Achilles' heel. And you that's know, kind is, of is emotion and knee-jerk reaction and, and that type of thing. And that's you know, kind of our cornerstone. Indeed, you know? indeed, it has it has been for a while. I mean, you know, as far as like the millennial generation, you mean a, a, a lot of. The, the, my kids are younger. I have three boys. I have my oldest is eleven. I have nine year old twins. Like the, the, even twenty something year, you know, they don't remember a time before the internet and that type mm-hmm. of thing. So that's something that's always been there for them. So even though like social media is still a relatively new concept, um, you know, it, it's kind of uh, become part of of our everyday lives. You know, it, it, it's given. You guys have no clue. I'll say how easy you have it. Um, I think my daughter talked me in. I have a 30-year-old daughter, Megan, and uh, she talked me into getting into, into you know, onto Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, on oh, Facebook, what's that? I have reconnected sure. with friends, classmates, acquaintances that I have a friend, Mike, in Kentucky that I hadn't talked to in over 20 mm-hmm. years. I got on Facebook and somehow his daughter found me. Yeah. You know? Um, you guys have it easy to stay connected and, Absolutely. And, and yeah. also, this is a great time um, when you talk about activism. This is a great tool. Like I mentioned, this whole process started with a very innocent, hey, let's all meet at Bass Pro. If you're interested in talking about Sunday hunting, let's meet over at the Bass Pro shops in right. Harrisburg. 20 people showed up, and from there, look where we're at. And you keep in mind, there have been people, as I said, trying to fight this fight for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And here we are 18 months or so after the start of this re-push, this rebirth of, yep. of this effort. That's it. And yeah. we are on the cusp of getting, at least getting the dam broke. Right. You know, you'll hear the phrase, camel's nose is under the tent. I want the whole camel in the tent, mm-hmm. but I'll take the, I'll take the nose under the tent because we need to do this. There's no good reason not to. Um, I certainly would not be sitting here advocating for any law, any kind of legislation at all that would say, Mark, you have to open up your ground on a Sunday to everybody. Or, Jay, you have to hunt every Sunday of the hunting season. Choice, that's a pretty cool thing in a land of liberty. Indeed. In a land of freedom. That's what the country was founded on. Uh, It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Indeed it does. So if people want to... You know, and I get, I get called a lot of names. You know, I get called a heathen and, you know, this and that. Um, people don't realize it. I, I'm actually the president of my church council. I very, very rarely miss Sunday service. Now, there's also Sundays that we take our youth 
We go up to March's game farm. I operate the wobble trap and we let the kids shoot on a Sunday afternoon. I would love the opportunity to be able to take those kids on a squirrel hunt, you know? Um, but we'll get a, we'll, we'll take this bite of this apple. Uh, hopefully the, these three days on Senate bill 147, we'll get through the house of representatives unscathed because if they even change a comma, this is what's really important for those that are going to call the representatives and take that action that we're requesting. If they even change a comma in that bill, then it ping pongs back over to the Senate and then the Senate takes another swipe at it. And until both chambers agree with the exact what's on that paper, then it will go to the governor and get signed. Um, so we want people to call up their representatives and say, please, just pass what we got. Don't change it. Because I can give you a lot of examples of legislation that came back around and we got, got it fixed, got it added. I'll use mentored youth as the example, right? We started with mentored youth, the families of field le legislation. Then we went to mentored adult hunting. And now we're filling in that gap when we offered the mentored in the middle. So we can mentor all ages. It doesn't have to happen all in one shot. It's part of the political process. Negotiation, um, you know, if the Farm Bureau is not happy and Hunters United for Sunday Hunting also is not happy, well, and I guess the politicians, that's kind of what they shoot for, right? So let's take it. Let's get some opportunity on the table this fall. Let's let people experience what it means to have that opportunity and to have more people able to experience it. Uh, it's encouraging to hear the latest stats I heard. We're up about 25% in our license sales. I heard that yeah, so far this Saturday year. Saturday and the, the potential Sunday. Yeah, I, it's I think been we're a... I think we're heading in the right direction. Will it? You know, I, I I hear a lot of people say, well, 47 other states have Sunday hunting, and nationwide the sale of hunting licenses are down. Yep, I can't I can't dispute that. But I will ask this question. If we allow some Sunday hunting, do you think we'll optimize is the key word. Will we optimize the amount of opportunity that we are presenting to our people? You know, there's a lot of studies out there, financial studies that say it'll create this many jobs and spend this much money and this much of a tax benefit and so forth. And people can debate those kinds of things, but they can't debate this question. If you couldn't fish on a Sunday, would we sell less fishing licenses? Would we sell less fishing equipment? Would we sell less boats? You're darn right we would. So you can dispute all the studies, but you can't dispute the fact that Sunday is a day that people have time to do things. And we need to get people out there recreating as hunters, as conservationists too. And that's what uh, PFSC and Hunters United is all about. And we're glad that you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, personally, uh, we, you know, I, I speak for Mark as well. I mean, this is something that, you know, we're, we feel strongly about and we're excited to see coming down the pipeline. And uh, we can't thank, thank you all enough for really spearheading this movement. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, this social media movement, you know, it's, it's given a voice to people who would all, otherwise be relegated to their communities. You know, That's so, right. you know, get out there, use it. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Contact your legislators. Contact your senators. Yeah. Contact whoever you need to contact and, and, and just make make your voice every, heard. It works. Every one of them has an email address mm -hmm. and every one of them has a phone number listed. Um, in the hierarchy of contact, a form email is contact, but it's okay. Sure. Um, an, an email that you wrote, it's good contact, but a phone call, 
that's really, really good contact and a visit to their district office when they're there, that's the ultimate. They have to hear um, from the people that support this because those that don't support it, isn't it easier to complain Mm -hmm. than to congratulate? Absolutely. You know, you go out any... You know that all too well. Yeah. Any retail experience, you could do 100 things in a day. And 99 of them could go perfect. That one could be a mess. Which one are you going to tell your family about when you get home and mm-hmm. t- talk about on, on Facebook and right. be inspired to make those phone calls to corporate, you know, customer service? Well, here's your opportunity, folks. If you want to have this opportunity, if you understand and agree with what we're saying here, that we need to have the opportunity to let people experience the adventure of being outdoors in a hunting situation, we need you to call your representatives right away. That's it. I mean, if, if you don't support Sunday hunting, well, then that's fine. I'm sure you have your reasons. But if you do, do something about it. Because if you want it to happen, we all need to kick in on this. So, so well, I think we're, we, I, we you know. I, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss for words. I think you just need your own podcast. I can listen <laughs> to you talk all day. Like, I'm just in love with everything you've said in the in the past 37 minutes. I mean, it's just. We're not impartial or anything. No, I mean, it's just, it, it just kind of. You know, jives right with not not just our, our our mindset, but everything we've preached since the first time we turned these microphones on. It's just it's right in line. Indeed, know? indeed. Which is why, again, another reason we were really excited when you, you agreed yeah. to come up and sit. And I'm talk the one that's so. excited, guys. Well, yeah. Good. You guys are the rock stars here. <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, well, yeah, I think we could we could do something good here. So let's wrap up the first half and come back and, and do more of that exact same thing because it was awesome so we'll be back in a couple minutes with harold dob dauber thanks again Back, we'll check, 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 check one two. Yep, beautiful. Looks good to me. Makes it sound so cool, so professional. Yeah, right. Rock stars, man. Uh, let me let me tweak that. There's that rock star thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're back. Second half of episode twelve with Dauber. I Indeed. Love that, Nick. Thank you guys for having yeah. me, man. And you you agreed to do a little beer test with us. Little, I did. Beer review. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. So, I think so for the first time ever, we've talked about this beer. Ad nauseum. Since, since pretty much episode one, and we have never had it on the podcast. Oh, my right. goodness. What so an I've, honor. I've been uh, I've been aging it a little bit. You know? <laughs> okay. So it's the Pennsylvania Tuxedo brewed with real Pennsylvania spruce tips by mm-hmm. Dogfish Head. Indeed. Good stuff. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you could definitely taste the pine in it. You, you, know? you, you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good representation of PA, man. If you're going to... Put together a beer, you might as well do it like this. Yeah. And sadly enough, we'll never see it again. Well, yeah, so, yeah, boo-hoo, because yeah. here we are reviewing a beer you can't get anymore. Oh, you <laughs> can't? <laughs> no. Because of the, apparently it was protested because of deforestation. People thought picking the spruce tips was going to wipe trees. out the, the spruce trees mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. 
So Next thing goodness. you won't be able to get orange juice. But I mean, also, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you look at it, and Woolrich is quite a bit different now, mm-hmm. and that they were a partner in this beer. So I mean, mm-hmm. it could. But be. the thing is, it's still available. You can still get it. It's still out there. Um, so maybe you luck out. So if you're in your uh, neighborhood, you know, supermarket, beer store, whatever, and you see it, grab yeah. it because it's you know, who knows how many more opportunities you're going to have to get <clears> it. I wonder if the wine industry's worried. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, Picking you those grapes, man. You're going to pick on next, you know? Yeah, yeah. You right. know what was nice about this beer, too, though, is that it always came out right around the beginning of archery season. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I, that's kind of what it and always I, reminds me of. Yeah, I like I like the guy, you know? Yeah, yep, the old school red plaid. Tuxedo. You know, yeah. Right there he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's it's a, a darker beer, I guess you could say, for, pardon me, the style. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's a... Uh, Pale ale. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it does. It, it is, but it's it's pale it's a type. It's a beer drinker's beer, I think. You know, Agreed. It's not, it's not very progressive or anything. No, nope, there's no that. fruity or no. mango or what was the what was the big one we were carrying on about forever? Guava. The guava. <laughs> there's no guava in this. One. <laughs> no guava in this one, but for but sure. I'll tell you what, nothing compliments just a piece of tenderloin with salt and pepper seared in a pan than this. Oh, it was well, that. Yeah, it's the best. There we check that box for talking mm. about food again. It's I don't think very, we've gone an episode yet without talking about mm. food or wild game or some way, shape, or form. <clears throat> you know, I messed up. I should have brought some elk sticks up here, and I just never thought. Oh to yeah, grab you some. did. <laughs> <laughs> Next trip, I'll bring some. I'll bring some up. No, no, I appreciate that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, we could have been eating elk sticks. Yeah, and that's beer. definitely bucket list. Pennsylvania elk, yep. not just any well, elk. This was a Colorado elk. That's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna. Um, you think Pennsylvania elk tastes better too? I have no idea. I don't care. <laughs> I'll let you yeah. know one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I actually put in for the uh, the archery. Oh, I just bought a preference point. For yeah, I do that every year. This year. Mm-hmm. I, I put in for all three. What the heck? Do you, well, you put in for it or do you buy the preference point? I put in for them. Yeah, that's awesome. See, my my, my oldest son is going to be one to win one. Well, that's it. Well, my True. thing is I haven't had the time to go. So I figured at least I could buy the points. The first year I started buying the points, my wife planned a trip to Disney and we flew out September 11th, so... My luck, I would have drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sent my wife to Disney alone. Um, that wouldn't have gone over too well. Um, so that's kind of where it started off. And then I started thinking, well, you know what? My son's going to be old enough to buy his hunting license now. He's 11 now, so next season I'll be able to take him for his hunter safety. I was going to do it last season, but it kind of you know butted heads with some scout stuff. Um, but I figured once he gets his, I'll start buying his preference point every year. And when he graduates high school, we'll both put in. There you go. And see, that'll be a little graduation present. And one of us will hope, hopefully, because I'm all about the cow. Yeah. I love the bull elk. They're amazing. And, you know, the next world record elk is probably going to come out of Pennsylvania uh, the way that they're going. These, these elk herd in this state is absolutely tremendous. But I want the meat. You yeah. know what I mean? I want to eat an elk. I want a big, yeah, fat my, cow. My elk stash is down to a couple of roasts, and I have quite a few sticks yeah, still yeah. left. But, uh what an awesome! You guys like turkey hunting? It's yeah, it's crazy. Turkey I, hunting on steroids. Yeah, I, I went out to Colorado last September with um, neighbors, the Kiefer family, and uh, Luke Kiefer was my do-it-yourself guide. He had been going out there for years and really can call really anything. He he can call it in, but I shot this bull elk coming straight at me at under ten yards. No kidding! With the bow, what a rush! With the muzzleloader. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. It doesn't matter what weapon, man. Yeah. That's just a rush, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Colorado is cool because you get a lot of over-the-counter tags there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There uh, was uh, about eight of us went out, and um, 
had a beautiful log cabin that that Luke had found for us, and nice. um, we killed uh, earlier before I shot mine. Uh, another guy in the party killed a, a five by five. Mine was a six by six, and we killed a uh, mule deer out there as well. Nice, nice. but. Uh, I mean, I definitely could go out there just to look around. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, amazing. I can't wait till the first time I get out there. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not opposed to an out-of-state elk by any means, uh, but my bucket yeah. list thing is a Pennsylvania, oh, Pennsylvania elk. Pennsylvania you know, that, yeah. my, It's a long story. My grandfather was a big fan of elk. Never, I mean, back then, you couldn't hunt them. You know what I mean? And uh, he was a big, big fan of, of elk, period. So to be able, and I'm going to do it with his rifle. You I'm guys gonna, have been to the elk center, I'm sure? No, I have not yet. You nope. haven't yet? No, Neither I've been waiting for my kids to get a little okay. older. Well, I got you his beat, yeah. but only by one. Yeah. Um, my my previous employer, Pine Creek Structures, um, we give each of our plants an opportunity to do something fun, and the uh, the Amish guys wanted to go see the elk, so we loaded them in a van and <clears throat> drove them up there last. Uh, I think we did it early November. I think. Oh my gosh, you got to go do that. Oh, I'm dying to. Yeah. yeah, I have some it's, friends that live out in that area and they're photographers and stuff, and yeah. they're just, you know, they, they're killing me because they're always putting up And I just got and... to go last year, so, um, you know, it, it it is very cool. Yeah, I plan on it. I want to take my boys with me, Your though. Your boys so. would love it. Yeah, I mean, those elk I'm, are, I'm waiting on. And they're to getting that elk there. center right at evening. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you'll have a heck of a show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I figured taking a whole lot of that yeah. with me, too, the cameras yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so that might be interesting. Oh, they're and... Oh my gosh, it'd make a great podcast. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah we have to find right something there. else up there. Yeah, that would be yeah. pretty Oh, you'd have elk bugle in the background with your, with your that? mics. No, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we get some ambiance around here, but it's usually a, oh my goodness. You know, some crows or a, a, a dog well, making something. You'll have people, <laughs> people walking around you too, <laughs> some but crickets. that's part of the experience. Yep, little yeah. crickets, you know. But, but yeah, anything like that, man, this is a beer that would pair well with any kind of, really mm. any kind of wild game. This would have been great with those tacos, man. Yeah. yeah, anything would have been great with those tacos. Heck yeah. yeah. But uh, so past employer, how about current employer? Now you're... My, yeah, my, my current employer is uh, Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists. Up until last year, um, we were known as Pennsylvania, Sports, Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs. Um, that name was changed because it gave the connotation that individuals, you know, were not part of what we were after. Um <laughs> So I've been a life member of PFSC for many years. Um, the best way I think I could describe what PFSC is, if I were, were to call it the Pennsylvania Conservation Congress. Okay. Um, it's basically a structure um, that's set up at the county level. Um, every sportsman's clubs in each county um, could join PFSC. And they would have a county meeting, and then their delegate would come to the board meetings um, to, at, at, a, at a division level. And then the division would elect a member to the PFSC board. So that board member would come and represent his division, which made up anywhere from probably four to eight counties over the course of the history of the organization. It started in 1932. Um, so it's been around 87 years. Just a minute or two, huh? Yeah. And, um, it's a pretty cool story. You know, um, um, the, the kind of watered down or prettified, uh, story is that five conservationists, um, probably the most well-known to the listeners is Ross Leffler, like Ross Leffler School of Conservation at mm -hmm. the Game Commission. He was one of the five, um, 
But I like the story I read um, recently that said five angry fishermen started Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs. Yeah. Um, and, and they were angry because the mining industry was destroying their their creeks, their fishing streams. And um, being here in coal country, you can imagine. Yeah. You know, I grew up in western, or uh, yeah, western Schuylkill County. Um, my mom always knew if I was out running around in the mountains because I come back all orange from the right, sulfur right, bud, yep. you know. So you can imagine, um, this was back in the 1930s, and I can only, you know, imagine that these guys were out there fishing and all of a sudden from one year to the next, everything degraded, you know, water quality's gone, fish are gone. And, and they decided that it was time to get organized. And it's pretty fascinating when you think about, it's easy today mm-hmm. to get organized with mm-hmm. social media. Um, back in 1932, you know, there was no Interstate 81 Right. There were There's barely a few, mail service. <laughs> mail service. And that's about it. You know, telephones were probably just starting to roll out and party yeah. lines. And um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty cool story. Indeed. And unfortunately, um, between then and now, the organization has, you know, kind of fallen off a little bit in, in importance in the conservation world. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited and, and, and happy to be leading PFSC. And uh, I'm up for the challenge of putting it back where it needs to be. The thing about the Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists is um, I work with everybody. I work with the fishermen, the trappers, the hunters, um, the sports clubs that like to do sporting clays. PFSC has been involved in um, legal battles where, uh, you know, there's been a sportsman's club established for years and years and years, and along comes a development and they want to stop them from discharging firearms. And we had to go to court, and PFSC led those, those types of battles. PFSC was instrumental in passing Families of Field legislation here in Pennsylvania, which provided us with the Mentored Youth Program, which now has led to mentored anybody can get out and be Big mentored. Big supporter of that myself. My, yeah. You know, everyone's heard the story of my son hunting. He's, he just killed his second turkey this last spring. Literally, you can see the spot where we hunt it from, awesome. where we're sitting awesome. here. And, uh, you know, it's it's a huge, because, you know, it's really important to catch these kids early. You know, I mean, we've always been exposed to stuff, but, you know, even when Mark and I were younger, I mean, there was like Nintendo, but that was it. I mean, that was your that was your distraction. So you still looked forward to getting out with dad, yeah. with grandpa, with the family, the hunting camps, that kind of thing. There was still that attraction. Now, you know, if you wait too long, you sleep on it, yeah. It's 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 hard to get them back. You well, know I don't. What I, mean? I don't know and if you guys know the history. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, pretty usually pretty positive about the game commission, and uh, I think they do a wonderful job. But they they blew it a few years ago when they were looking at undoing our families of field legislation and moving um, that age limit back to twelve. You know, I've been teaching hunter education as a volunteer for about twenty one years now or so, and. Uh, it it made no sense why they would go after undoing something that was so positive. And I fought them on it. Um, so that's why having an organization like PFSC is so important because we have a lot of niche groups out there. You know, I'm a life member of the National Wild Turkey Federation. I'm a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I'm a member of 
you know, numerous sports clubs and sports organizations, conservation organizations, but we all have our little niche. Um, when I'm raising money for our local NWTF chapter, I'm doing that because I want to be able to support our youth field days and give scholarships to graduating seniors who show interest in conservation. And of course, habitat work. You know, we raise a lot of money. Save the habitat, save the hunt. You got movement, it. You know NWTF I mean? yeah. has donated over $6 million in Pennsylvania, probably Indeed. approaching $7 million now, I would think. Um, but none of these organizations really are after the, the su- support, conservation, and protection of the regulations and legislation that affects us as outdoorsmen. Um, so that's what the mission is of PFSC and our and our education arm, Pennsylvania Wildlife Federation. So, so that's my job now. And uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, the first couple of weeks on this job, I'd lay in bed at night thinking, "Man, I, I, I'm I'm so far behind in my quote real job." But this has been my passion, and now I get to to work it from morning till night. You know, when yeah, I took the job, my, job, yeah, yeah, when I took the job, my wife said, "Wait a minute." You, are, does that mean all the stuff you do in the evening after you get home from work now you'll do during the day? And I said, yeah, but then I'll still do it at, yeah. <laughs> at night as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, PFSC is a really important organization. Um, and it's, you know, at, at its height, um, it was the organization that conservationists in Pennsylvania belonged to. Um, cause we didn't have all these other conservation organizations mm-hmm. that were competing, you know, for our time and for our money. Um, and I support all of those. I, I really, really want to stress that. I'm not saying don't support those other organizations, but, you know, the, the millennial generation, we talked a little bit about, you know, they are bigger than the baby boomer generation. And I need to figure out a way to attract you guys to get involved with PFSC. Um, you can join the organization for as little as $15 as a e-member. If you go to www.pfsc.org, those, there's a join button there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really looking for active volunteers that want to get involved. And it does involve the legislation and regulation side of it. So I work very closely with uh, the, the senators, the representatives, the people at the Game Commission, the people at the Fish Commission, DCNR, and also DEP. You know, it's all of those organizations are the folks that I'm kind of working with and striving to make sure Pennsylvania's is clean, conserved, preserved, all of those things as we can possibly be. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been a member for just a few weeks, but because I didn't really know much about it. I mm-hmm. mean, I've, not- I've heard whispers on the wind of it, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. once I started following you through Hush and it kind of drew my attention to the PFSC, and I was like, oh, this is this is important. I got to get on board with this. I, that, I appreciate no. that. It's about the, the same with me. I had no idea that this was an organization until you kind of came across the radar and uh yeah never heard of it before right and and what happened is the organization um unfortunately did not keep up with technology mm. and um i'm changing that we're we, we we're rebranding we're getting our name out there and our mission out there and um on september 10th i've been invited to testify at an upcoming Representative House Representatives meeting relative to Senate Bill 147. So I need to have the people um, get excited about the Federation again 
and understand that it represents all conservation in Pennsylvania. Um, continue to support the Turkey Federation and the Grouse and Ducks Unlimited and Delta mm-hmm. Waterfowl and all of those other groups. But boy, I sure would appreciate if your listeners could get out there to www.pfsc.org and put $15 on the line. Let me represent you as well. Well, I'm, I'm 100% going to, I'll join it tonight, probably after, after we sit here and, mm-hmm. you know, review what, what we recorded tonight. But I mean, I'd be willing to give away a couple memberships, you know, uh, I'll, I'll waive that fee. If, you know, a couple of people share podcast link, we'll put up, I'll, I'll cover, I don't know, four, four memberships. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's nothing. Cause this is by far, I mean, the most influential group that's come across my radar. It's, it's something that, you know, we need to be involved in. You know, I, I don't want to take anything away from any other conservation sportsman gun rights, no, of course, anything of course. like that, any of those organizations. But, you know, um, we can't rely on the big national organizations to do the things that need to be done here in Pennsylvania. And I'll tell you why. When you're talking those national organizations, they have to look at their radar screen in all 50 states. And unless the problem is key and big enough to be the priority across the country, they can't dedicate their time, money, and people into our state. PFSC, I live here. I -hmm. live 30 minutes from Harrisburg. Um, And as you guys see, I will travel all over the state. Right. but that's my job. I will be in Harrisburg when these people are in session. And right now there was a, uh, just giving you an example, there was a co-sponsorship memorandum uh, posted by Senator Boscola. That's an anti-bobcat trapping uh, piece of legislation. Wants to stop the ability and, and the opportunity to trap bobcats. No science behind it whatsoever. Um, and those are the types of things that we need to worry about. You know, I just, just prior to jumping in the car to come up here tonight, I shared a story on Facebook coming out of New Jersey mm-hmm. where they are selling non-hunting licenses. Now, those non-hunting licenses aren't being sold as a non-hunting deer license and a non-hunting turkey license. It's a non-hunting license. They're coming in, in New Jersey. They're coming after hunters and the act of hunting in, in general. Right. Right, yeah, it's an all-out absolute assault. I mean, PFSC and... is what's going to keep that from coming into Pennsylvania. But we need people behind us. We need to grow that membership. Right now, we're between fifty and sixty thousand. <clears throat> My goal is to get it to a hundred thousand, and I believe that I can get it to a million. I'll put it out on the air right now that my challenge and my goal is to get this to a million people. There's a little over twelve million people in Pennsylvania. I'm not looking to get just the million people that are interested in hunting in Pennsylvania. I'm getting fishermen, hunters, trappers, hikers, anybody that likes to use the outdoors, support PFSC. I will represent you in Harrisburg and make sure that this state continues with our outdoor heritage and the things that we love because there's people trying to take it from us. Don't think no that question. the threat yeah. is not real. No question. I mean, you know, the, one of the things that I, I found kind, kind of in, 
intriguing. It's, it's kind of a different perspective. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there that people can get involved in to support, you know, whatever discipline that that, that they enjoy. Um, but the fact that you get involved in legislation, I think that can kind of draw a very, I don't want to say a specific type of person, but there's a lot of people out there that that would be appealing. Um, and not only in the hunting and the fishing, but in the Second Amendment arena Absolutely. as well. You know, and that's one thing that I, I, I'm big, both of us proponents for Second in 19, Amendment. In but, 1994, I mean, PFSC organized the, at that point the largest, over 6,000 people supported Second Amendment rights on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've- And that's I, what I want to get back yeah. to. I, PFSC needs to be the premier voice of conservation in Pennsylvania. And and we only become that when people accept and and join up and support that this is the right organization to make sure that Second Amendment and conservation is supported in Pennsylvania. And that's it. They have the, the legal side, like you said. That's that's going to appeal to a, a, a broad spectrum of people because it's unique. Our tagline is we're on the front line so you can be in the woods, on the water, or at the range. Mm -hmm. um, when I was on the Pennsylvania um, National Wild Turkey Federation State Board, a guy by the name of Don Heckman, God bless him, he's no longer with us. He was a great mentor of mine um, in conservation efforts. And he put me uh, as his legislative uh, chairman for the, for the Turkey Federation. It was always his job, but... He was getting older, and, and that's what us old guys need to do is find our replacements, and he, he was mentoring me. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, legislation? I got to deal with politicians? Mm -hmm. There are people out there that don't want to deal oh, with that. It, it makes me cringe. And guess what? Those are the people I need to attract, too, because you don't want to deal with them. I'll deal with them, and I'll represent you. But you got to be part of my club, yeah. right? You got to be part of my organization so that I can walk in there and say, I have a hundred thousand members. If I can walk in that Capitol trailing a hundred thousand supporters, nobody's going to mess with Pennsylvania conservation or second amendment rights. They'll mess with it when we're all fragmented. And that's where we're at today. Yeah. You know, we, we're battling, you know, these organizations that are, that are antis, um, be it PETA, Humane Society, they're not out there fragmented. They're no. across the board. They're, they're, they do not fragment themselves. And we need to learn from that. Nope. I agree. And we, that's, that's a discussion we've had oh. many, many times. Uh, in, in your experience, and in, in, you know, you, you've been knee-deep in this for, for quite some time now, uh, if you could come up with uh, a magic wand and say, this is the solution that's going to stop the infighting with hunters. I know that's a silly and impossible question, but do you have any advice or any suggestions for how we should conduct ourselves or how we can kind of approach each other, uh, whether it be civil discourse or <clears throat> I, and I know that, that might be a curveball question for you, but I mean, no, I, no, we don't this know where is, to go. This with is it. great. You know what this I mean? This is great. Uh, uh, this is, you we've know, tried to manage this between Mark yeah. and I in conversations when we've okay. had, this is going to really, because you guys probably have picked up that I'm, I'm a big proponent of social media, you know, Facebooks and all those things. Sure. That's where it could be a pro or a I con. Am a, I am afraid that we are driving. Hunting is not a competition. There it is. Okay. Hunting is not a competition. I despise big buck contests. I despise turkey contests. Um, 
in a, not quite as strongly, but, you know, when you think about fishing tournaments, you know, when you're taking a resource and loading it into a contest, I don't believe that's fair. I, you know, a, a difference in our generations is that when I was in high school, I graduated in 1979, um, when I was coming up through school, I picked a sport based on when I wasn't hunting and when I wasn't fishing. So I wrestled. Now it's different today. You know, there's sports year round pretty much and all that. If I'm out there in a sport that has a referee and two people on a wrestling mat that are competing, that's a sport. That's a competition. Hunting, yeah. hunting is an experience and hunting mm -hmm. is the adventure it is not competition. If I had a magic wand, you know what my answer would be, Jay? It would be illegal to post pictures on Facebook. All right. Tro trophy. Picture. Trophy pictures. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and trophy pictures, you know, the, the hero shots, I right? I was kind of having a, a mental discussion with myself the other day about this, thinking about when I first started getting into social media and kind of putting content out there and where I am today and comparing those two and it is just worlds different it there's that what hunting is right now just doesn't seem like what it should be it's and, competition and, and when you think of what hunting is now I'm thinking everything that comes to mind is the outdoor channel all the guys with the face paint and mm -hmm. the, the you know the catchphrases and slapping high fives like, you know, they just scored a touchdown instead of that's that's just, it. And I mean <laughs> it's it's just so it's so bizarre. And you know, it's hard to you can't condemn that because, you know, they're still promoting the sport. It's still there. Mm -hmm. But I mean how how do you break away from that? And we, we talked about it earlier that that stereotype right. of the hunter. Yeah. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and that's why, you know, in a lot of circles, we're, we're not that popular because right. we're just, it's more about the experience and kind of the food for us, but. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sure. But you know, you know, teaching Hunter Ed, I'll, I'll just show you this. I, this is um, the buck I killed last year and I did put this picture on Facebook. So I'm probably a little hypocritical about it, but I just took a picture of that deer with a handgun that I used to Oh, that's hunt, awesome. You know, um, it's, a it's not a, it's not a, you know, giant buck by any means. It's a good yeah. buck, yeah, it's cool. but it's decent. It's, it's a, it's a well-composed image. I have a, yeah. a you one know? that's similar and it's not even, I shot a doe with my grandfather's rifle. I'm the third generation to hunt with this, with this rifle. And I was proud that I shot this doe with it. And it's not even the full body of the doe or the full rifle. It's just part of the rifle across the hide of the doe. There you go. And, and it was just, it, it spoke to me and, and, you know, it's not a trophy picture. I'm not holding it by the ears and there's not blood coming out of its mouth and nose. And we've had, again, numerous discussions in, in that regard as well. Um, and I think maybe therein lies the, the error in referring to it as a sport. I think so. You know, I mean, uh, and I do it, you know, it's, That's but, right. but you know, it's, it's an experience. Like I said, we, we, we've been, since we've started in the woods when we were kids, we've progressed through stages of being a hunter or being a, an outdoorsman. And I still refer to sportsmen and sports, you know, sportsmen and women, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, we've progressed through these stages where, you know, you start out and it's like, 
You're just wanting to see something walking through the woods. It's like you don't care about what's going on around you. You just want to see something. You want to you want to get the deer. You yeah. want to get your first deer, and and that's awesome because you're, you're excited about it. And then you, you transition. Listen, when I go hunting, I'm going out there. I'm looking to, that's to it. harvest that's the end or game. kill something. That's the know? end game. <laughs> but the longer you're out there and the more times you are, air quotes, unsuccessful in the harvest, you start to take note of what else is there to offer. What else, no. what have I learned today? You know, we just did a, a hunt together for the first time this spring, Mark, and I got to hunt together. And like I said, I for the last 15 I was years. I just going to bring this up. Yeah. For the last 15 years, I've led the charge. Every time we went in the woods, I was leading it. I was dictating what we were doing, mm -hmm. where we were going. Mm -hmm. I went hunting with Mark on a piece of property that he's familiar with, so I followed him. And it was such a refreshing change for me to kind of take a step back and play a different role in, in, in that, that kind of dynamic and see how he does it and move when he wants to move. And, you know, when you call, when you don't. So it was, it, And I was able to learn for as long as I've been doing it Mm -hmm. I was still able to pick things up because I was okay with taking a step back and, and following yeah. his lead. And it's just, you start to progress into these stages in, in life as, as outdoorsmen. And uh, I, I think, that, you know, once you get to a certain level, things like, you know, PFSC become more important and more viable and, and vital to the next step that yeah. we feel that we're going to be taking in our, in our journey. And to kind of, take advantage of where we are and relate that to people who are maybe a couple steps behind us, you know, maybe save them a little the bit of time. We, they are the ones we have to cater to. Like we talked about in the, in the first half, We're, we should not be focused on catering. If you want to use that word catering, mm -hmm. but hey, if it's got hardcore, it, we're good. The hardcore hunters, man, <laughs> the hardcore hunters are going to, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to get it figured out. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you can take away my right to hunt. I hope you don't, but they could take it away six out of seven days. They it's could give me one day a year. Bet your ass tell me I can in the hunt. woods. Yep. Uh, th there would be nothing that would stop me from getting out in the woods those days and taking, you know, taking friends, taking family. I was so passionate about the mentored youth program because I lived without it as a father. So my daughter... I would have her every Saturday. My, my wife was working on a Saturday. I would have her every Saturday. And it was okay. I could get out and hunt first thing in the morning. And I had to be back. She had to be at the store by like 9 o'clock. And um, my favorite childhood, as far as my daughter went, hunting experience was I went out. I bow hunted. There was a flock of turkeys. And my father was with me. And he turned his light on. And you ever shine a flashlight on a flock of turkeys that are roosted can't no. say that i have let me tell you what you want to bust turkeys up <laughs> that's why you do it huh Whew, they go crazy so so he you know turned his light on and these turkeys went everywhere so when i came home megan you know we were there and she was probably five years old or so and i said you want to go out and hunt squirrels yeah so we went out and i always have a tur turkey call on me we went out and sure enough this flock of turkeys that got busted up was starting to call. So they're there calling and I start calling back to them. She's sitting on my lap. Turkeys came right in on us. And she's like, shoot it, daddy, shoot it, shoot it. Well, it wasn't turkey season yet. Right, right. Yeah. So we had to have a discussion on the way home about conservation and when things are yeah. in season and game wardens and all of those things. 
And sadly, she was five then. By the time she hit eight, nine, for sure by 10, she'd rather be off with grandma and mom shopping, you know? Um, and I lost her. Yeah. She's never hunted a day in her life. Now she's pro hunting. She shoots guns. She understands it. She understands it. Um, but she never participated. If I had had mentored youth hunting, sure, I think I'd have a hunting partner that I didn't have that, you know, in my lifetime. And, you know, PFSC came along and changed that. And then PFSC was among the, those that were fighting to protect it when it was being threatened. And PFSC has been in the battle to promote other types of mentoring, the mentored adult. Yep, and another that, fantastic and that program. Middle section now. So so it's uh, it's an organization that um, that I believe in, and I believe that it's extremely important in Pennsylvania that it uh, become as, as healthy as possible again. Because it's uh, you know it, it's a it's a really important organization that at one time nobody nobody messed with Pennsylvania because the federation was who they had to deal with, and we need to get it back to that. Yeah. And I I need you guys I need your millennial help yeah. to make that happen. Well, we know we have the numbers here. Oh my gosh, yes. So and you more importantly, yeah. you have the passion. Yeah. You know you can't. You either have the passion or you don't. Right. Yeah. You know you can you can develop it over time, but. You know, there's going to be some that, that don't have the passion to engage. And I need I need some, some engagers right now. Well, that's kind of our thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah we can do that. Count us in. Because, uh, you know, I like you said, we, 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 we aligned very much with the whole philosophy uh, of, of, what, of what you guys are trying to accomplish. So um, for us to get our message out there, you know what I mean? We can kind of work together to get your message out there. And in doing so, we by getting your message out there, we're getting our message out. Yeah, there. for sure. You know, so it's uh, I think it's it's um, a really great opportunity here. And I, I mean, and again, we we didn't see this coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is all developed over the last hour or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me and, let me share um, something that happened in the last couple of weeks, and I, I I think your listeners will maybe understand the importance of having a strong PFSC. So, you know, we have this Senate Bill 147, and it's moving its way through legislation and the legislature, and it gets watered down to three days, okay? And two of the three days are going to be dictated that, you know, one's in rifle deer season, one's in archery deer season, and one the game commission will have regulatory authority over. So the Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists, our policy, we support regulatory authority going to the game commission. So during the course of getting into this and, and, and really understanding the ramifications of everything, I was talking with um, Chris Williams. He's the senior regional director for Delta Waterfowl. And waterfowlers as a group have shown concern. I've been in discussions with several of them. They've shown concern about, we don't want to lose days. Well, you're not going to lose days to Sunday hunting because U.S. Fish and Wildlife sets the waterfowling season. And right now they pretty much set it to, let's say, a 60-day season. And then there are two types of states within their structure. You're either a state that allows seven-day hunting, so you have a 60-day season, mm -hmm. or there are states that allow six days of hunting, like Pennsylvania that 
prohibit hunting on Sundays. Those states are compensated for the days where they can't be hunting in that 60-day period, compensatory days. So I've engaged with Delta Waterfowl. They're a great organization. Um, if you're a waterfowler and you don't belong to Delta Waterfowl, shame on you because they are really fighting for improved habitat and doing the right things. So Chris and I are talking. Now, Chris lives down in North Carolina. And I said, Chris, if I schedule a meeting with the right representative, will you come up? Because I'm a strong believer in subject matter experts should be leading discussions. Absolutely. And I'm not always the subject matter expert. I'm not too proud to, to, to say that. And to his credit, he was on the ball field till 10 minutes at 12 Monday night. And he met me at Representative Gillespie's office Tuesday late at late morning. I think we started at one o'clock actually. But here's the deal for your waterfowler listeners. If, if there is a day designated that Pennsylvanians can hunt waterfowl one day, that makes us a seven-day state. So those compensatory days go away. Indeed. So at this point, we can't be promoting and lobbying for any opportunity for waterfowlers because even if we got all three of the days, the net result would be a loss of six days right. of total opportunity. And that's something I just recently learned. Yeah. You know, I mean, because we, we, ha we have somebody coming on the podcast in, in the next couple of weeks that, you know, I wanted to kind of do some research in regard to waterfowling. So I reached out to a few groups, you know, again, the benefits of social media. Yep. I got on Facebook and I searched out a couple of waterfowl groups in, in Pennsylvania and uh, I posed a few questions to them. Uh, in regard to some of the topics I was interested in. And the compensatory day thing is something I, I had no idea. Now, I hunted waterfowls for a year, for years rather. Um, I was a duck hunter, goose hunter, but I had to kind of start to choose my battles and not mm -hmm. my battles, but, you know, be, be very smart about what Absolutely. I spent my time doing. Um, you know, when we you don't know, get married, have kids, careers, home, that kind of thing. So you got to kind of narrow it down a little bit. Yeah. Time's you know, a big thing. Indeed, indeed. So that was one of the things that fell off for me. I mean, I still have a gigantic bag of duck decoys just sitting there waiting because one of these days I'm going to get back after it. Um, but, you know, it's been a while since I've been in it. So a lot of things have changed since then. So I wanted to be kind of prepared a little bit and kind of just get my feelers out there, see what's what's different than it used to be. And that was one of the things that a gentleman brought up to me. And I said, well, you know what? I never thought of it that way. Because a lot of people think, well, game commission, game commission, game commission. That's, you know, that's not game commission. That's not no. the legislation. That's, you know, that that's you know, a, a national thing. It's you're international, am I correct? Are they Canada? Um, yeah, United they're States all tied together the somehow. Yeah, like the flyways. I could be mistaken on that, so don't quote me. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's based on the flyway. U.S. Fish and Wildlife sets... Correct. For the U.S., but there's a lot of consideration and exchange of information mm -hmm. and data... Um, they're doing it right. I mean, right. it is, it's a great example of scientific wildlife management. And that's it. And I, I'm willing to bet a lot of hardcore waterfowlers, and there's plenty of them that listen to us. Uh, we know some of them personally. And, you know, there's a lot of guys out there, I'm, I'm sure, may not know this. They mm -hmm. may, they may not. But if they don't, I bet you they're sitting there shaking their head right now going, man. Yeah. Well, and, and no that's the idea. beauty of PFSC. You know, yeah. I, I, I scheduled that meeting. Um, Chris Williams was there with us, as, as well as uh, Matt Nicely, who's the regional director in our 
area down there in Lebanon, Lancaster, Dauphin County area. He joined us. And the subject matter experts took and, – and by the way, Representative Gillespie, his entire office is full of mounted ducks. He is a waterfowler. He was not aware of this compensatory day issue. Right. Um, so that's what people are going to get out of PFSC. Mm-hmm. They're going to have um, a, a knowledgeable person in, my, in myself, but not somebody that's not, you know, not too proud to say, you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get this organization or that organization to accompany me to these meetings. And that's what our mission is. Our mission mm-hmm. is to bring all of this conservation family together and be represented by one voice. And the analogy that I, I like to talk about when I get out and I do this is the uh, the Shawnee Indian chief Tecumseh. I know you guys had mentioned on a, on a podcast I was listening and you don't like reading fiction, but I will tell you this. Read historical fiction and read an, an author by the name of James Alexander Tom, T-H-O-M is his last name. And specifically, one of my favorite books is called Panther in the Sky, and it's the story of Tecumseh. It's actually pronounced, I believe, Tecumseh, but so... We, so we're not going to hold you responsible. Okay. <laughs> so the gist of this story is the Shawnees were an eastern tribe. They were in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and down into Tennessee. And he realized that the encroachment of the white settlers was going to be an impact to the Indians' way of life. So he went around prior in – the, in the late uh, 1700s, early 1800s, he went around and he was trying to rally a, a federation of Indian tribes. And he said, look, it is time for us all to get together and fight each other's battles because I'm an Indian on the east – and I'm going to get conquered first, but then they're coming for you. And if you go on the PFSC Facebook page, you'll see that I have a, a meme up there attributed to Tecumseh's words. And it, it says, the, you know, the single twig will break, but the bundle of twigs is strong. And, and that's what this is about. Yeah. This is about gathering up those twigs and, and making something that's too strong to be messed with because we won't break. Now, does that mean we're going to be absolutely agreeable to everything that we're doing? Well, no, you know, there are subjects out there. We could bring up a hundred subjects and the three of us are probably going to agree on maybe 99 of them, but I'll bet you there's one that most definitely that we sure. would probably yeah. stand our ground on. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to become responsible enough to know, okay, let's have our debates. Let's have our discussions. Let's run these things through this process. Let the board do what they need to do and come up with a policy on it. And then as conservationists, we, we need to support that. Now that might be, you know, unicorns and rainbows yeah, and all those well, kinds of things. But, you know, if, if, if we could get close to that, that, sure. would be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there was a term that you used before that I, I want to go back to that I feel like just aligns exactly with what we have talked about on past episodes, scientific wildlife research. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's... PFSC kind of... believes in scientific wildlife management, period. That, that's it. Ego aside, it's big picture. And, and you got to kind of, and I know that's kind of... Yeah, you know. there's certain things that you can't argue with, I feel like. And that's, you know, numbers, data... You know, once there is that kind of repeatable proof, yeah, 
it's just it's just hard to go against that. And I mean, that's just if if that's something that you guys get behind, I'm behind it. Uh, you know? we're, we are 100% behind that. And you have to be willing to understand that science changes. There are new breakthroughs. There are new discoveries. Um, CWD podcast. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly what we said. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, the, the thought was that a white-tailed deer was born, raised, and died on one square mile. Yeah. One square mile, 640 acres. Boy, does that... Is I, that not the truth I know with a, telemetry? I know a guy that he shot a, a tagged buck. He shot it just a couple miles away from here. Travel from where it was tagged to where he killed it was like, it was like 20 some miles. Oh yeah. 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 They're traveling 20 miles. We, uh, the Turkey Federation and the Game Commission partnered on gobbler banding mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s. And I was fortunate enough to be part of the, NWTF volunteer team as well as part of the Game Commission volunteer team. So I got to, I actually got to fire some of the nets over turkeys already. It was kind nice. of a cool experience. But through that banding, we found out that turkeys move further than what we thought. So we have to be prepared that science is going to present us with things that we didn't consider or that we didn't think, you know, really could possibly be the way that, that it is. And we have to follow the science. We have to follow the science. Right now in Pennsylvania, CWD is a, is a, a super hot and it's a big threat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you think about what can change the, the landscape of hunting the fastest. It's sad, but how many of us would willingly go into a disease management area, shoot a deer and bring it home? and feed it to our family with the threat of CWD being part of that deer's biology, right? So God forbid if that happens, what happens to conservation? Keep in mind, focus on those 480 species mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, the habitat they need, the space they need, right? All the things that, that animals need to survive. And... Deer is the straw that stirs the drink of conservation across the United States. Sure. So if, if you remove that desire to be able to hunt deer, to eat deer, what impact is that going to have on conservation of 480 species? It's, it's, it's huge. Sure. We have got to follow the science in Pennsylvania, you know, and right now there's, um, you know, Dr. Uh, Bastian believes that, you know, he's going to be able to find a, a cure and a test so that we know if, you know, the animal was diseased and cured eventually and, and all these things. But we've heard this for a long time. Um, right now, we know we have some hotspots around the state. And it's scary when you see the statistics that our, our rate of occurrence of CWD is doubling year after year. And sadly, and, and really scares the crap out of me, the scientists have predicted the path we're on very accurately. Mm -hmm. We are on a path that if we don't contain this thing, we're going to end up like Wisconsin. Yeah. And it's, it's very disturbing to me. And I have a commitment with my church this Saturday 
that um, I want to fulfill and I want to, you know, go on my float in the Susquehanna. But if this rain pushes that river above five feet and my plans get canceled there, I'm going to be traveling out to Blair County on Saturday. I think it's in Blair County. And Dr. Kroll's going to be out there talking about CWD. And I want to hear what he says. Sure. You know, I'm not going to discount anything. I'm not going to discount Dr. Bastian's work. Um, but if we can can look at states that have suffered with CWD, we can look at Wisconsin and 50%, you know, rate out there of, of deer with CWD. We don't want that here. Yeah. We can look at Illinois who... When CWD hit there, they they took some steps, and they're not fun steps for those that are in their backyard. Sure. But reducing the number of deer reduces the prevalence of CWD transferring. Um, you know, there are things we need to start doing to contain CWD and and slow it down until science can figure it out. And unfortunately, we have some pressures in this state that are not allowing that to happen. If PFSC gets the, a, a big enough stick, we can kind of do the right things, follow the science on this stuff. And, and that's why it's so important. If you believe in scientific wildlife management, PFSC is the organization for you because we're gonna push for regulation and legislation that allows that to happen and promotes that, not holds it back. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, tradition and heritage is what got us into this this lifestyle. But you can't follow heritage and tradition when it comes to stuff like this. You have to let the science and you have to let the technology play a massive role, lead role in something like this. So as much as it hurts sometimes, you know, to to go against everything you've kind of believed in, you know, leading up to the last several years when this has become a huge factor – I mean, it, it's it's imperative that we kind of let go of the ego and let the uh, the science lead the way. Subject so, matter experts need to tell us indeed which way to go here. Indeed, and from both sides of the argument. I mean, it can't be Absolutely. a one-sided discussion because that's how we learn things. You know, yep. I mean, Mark and I have said it a hundred times. If we said it once, you know, we were not always considered convinced that we're correct. But I, I we, we don't need fellow hunters putting up billboards. Mm. of spotted fawns and and revolvers. Indeed. And that's what we had happen. Yeah. And um, that's regrettable. I don't know those folks. I hope someday I get to, to talk to them and, and understand the rationale. And believe me, if that was my hunting territory, if that's where I lived, that's where I hunted, the passion is there. Certainly the emotions would run high. I, I, I can understand what they've done. But we also need to understand what needs to be done for the for the good of our entire state and uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid that time is ticking on CWD so that's a, another you know in addition to the Sunday hunting that's another um, top issue for PFSC we are striving to be a leader in that area additional to that um, we believe in independent resource agencies we believe that the Fish Commission and the Game Commission, both should have the ability to set their own fee structures. Um, in talking, you know, there's some misconceptions out there, and it uh, seems like the, the legislation for the Fish Commission to be able to set their fees um, has a lot of traction, and I expect that to pass. 
this audit that happened, um, the auditor general, you know, released an audit that uh, was portrayed in the press as being, you know, kind of negative to the game commission, sort of sucked the air out of the room relative to the game commission being permitted their um, fee setting abilities. But in talking with the game commission, something that's not, I don't think, being reported enough is that the game commission's not asking for a fee increase. What they're asking for is the ability to control their own destiny and to, to keep this um, funded. What's happened in the past that people need to understand, you know, we've been without a, a license increase now since 1999. So up until a couple of years ago, we were, they were tapping into these escrow accounts just to meet make ends meet. Now, in the last couple of years with the gas boom, you know, coming back on board here in Pennsylvania, they have been able to, you know, fund their their budget. But we have to be prepared for when some of this income is no longer going to be coming at us. And uh, if we have to wait for legislation, that's <laughs> look at Sunday hunting, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes a long time to sure. have that happen. So that's something else PFSC is working for is to make sure we have independent resource agencies that can control their own destiny as much as possible. And let me tell you, the legislation being passed provides for oversight by our legislators. So anybody that has a fear of the Fish Commission or the Game Commission suddenly jacking the price of a license up to something, you know, something that we couldn't afford. Astronomical, right. First of all, why would they do that? They're in the business to to have people buying licenses to create funding and what, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but they're going to be under the, uh, you know, with oversight from our legislators. So, so those are the, the, the big issues for PFSC, uh, right now, as well as, you know, second amendment, we're always concerned with that. Um, there are some, this red flag, uh, legislation, if you've, yeah. if you've seen that out there. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. I've um, got a couple of relatives that won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, Over it. You know, it, you know it, so be it. It, it sounds, it sounds kind of nice. You know, again, it's the unicorns and rainbows, mm-hmm. you know, this will be, be the way this works. But, uh, you know, I, I am well aware of people that have had PFAs filed against them, um, Wrongly, without warrant. No, I, I, you know? I know. And next thing you know, in, in comes the, you know, the authorities, and out goes your, not only your firearms, but your bow and arrows too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a pretty ugly scenario it's when there's lack of due happen. process in that situation. So we need, you know, we need to have some strong representation in Pennsylvania, in Harrisburg, you know, in the halls of the Capitol, and, you know, right now I'm, I'm pretty proud to be the guy that's responsible for that, and. Uh, uh, anybody that knows me will tell you that uh, I'm not going to go down quietly. So, if you would please well, good, get behind because, us. Like I said, you know, I, I've I, I've debated the Second Amendment uh, topics uh, to the point where I, I was accusing people of writing on their hands with crayons because it got to that point because mm-hmm. it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So again, that's a whole other podcast, honestly. But it, you know, there's 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 a lot of people again, emotional reaction that's driving legislation and that's just a big mistake and and that's not what this was this, that's not how this is supposed to work so, legislation is not the answer when it comes to wildlife management only from the standpoint agreed that it's just not responsive enough it's not nimble enough correct that was where i was going to lead into it just doesn't happen nothing happens fast no no so you know if you have uh, 
you know, let's take this uh, Senate Bill 147, the way it's written right now, and, and, and I support it. It's not perfect, but I do support it, and I hope it passes without any changes. But boy, that word shall in there bothers me. You know, it says there, w there shall be a day, a Sunday in rifle deer season that we hunt. I wish that was May. Now, there's going to be some debate on that. You know, I've talked to some legislators about it, and they say, oh, no, you know, shall's good. We can, you know, we can put a moratorium on it if we have to. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just don't trust how quickly they can do that. Um, but think about this. Horror story. I certainly hope it doesn't happen. Horror story happens. CWD blows through Pennsylvania. You know, we lose 85% of our deer herd. We're down to 15%. Um, there is a cure discovered and there's a way to stop it and now we want our deer to come back well we have a law in the books that says we shall hunt deer on a sunday with the rifle should have said may now unfortunately because i don't have a hundred thousand people behind me yet i wasn't part of the negotiating team that got got to the point where we're at um if if you and your generation will help me we, this won't happen again. We got to get strength, and strength is in numbers. And and PFSC will be on the front line, so you guys don't have to be, because it is, it you know, it can get ugly. Well, I think after this conversation, uh, there's going to be several people joining that front line right yeah, alongside. For sure. If 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 I were a betting man. Well, so it would be greatly appreciated. That's for sure. We have a very tight knit community that follows us, and I think it's it's an upstanding community. It's very agreed. Yeah, logical. we're very proud. We're yeah. very proud of yeah. of the the uh, following that we've acquired over the last uh, several months. And uh, you know, because there's there's you know we have we're not always right. You know, we, we're pretty on point but we're not always right and we we understand that we all can and learn we've had friends of ours call us out on stuff like yeah. no you kind of missed on something yeah. like oh yeah. okay and then we'll if we get a chance we'll you know retract yeah. i mean but, i'm not afraid to admit that I, when i'm wrong right you know that's and you know like you yeah. see how this is operating right now in the moment there's times where i'll misspeak or i'll use a wrong word or i'll misquote uh, a statistic or something like that and I don't catch it until I listen back I'm yeah. sure oh man yeah I've done that on interviews I hope nobody too. catches that <laughs> <laughs> but sure as hell somebody does it, every yeah. time yeah it happens you know, yeah. we're, not, we're not perfect nope. we're, we're humans and this so. isn't scripted I mean Mark and I have never sat down and said this is what we're going to do and I think that's part of what makes it so well, successful well the beauty is you're, you guys are, are, are speaking from your hearts you're speaking yeah. with your passion and um there's nothing ever wrong with that. Whether there's subjects we agree on or disagree on, if, if you're speaking from your passion, I respect that. Um, now, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. You better come with your chin strap buckled and some good data behind you um, because I'm going to challenge you. But in the end, um, I've been wrong before and I'm going to be wrong again. And, you know, we can't get too wrapped up in the moment you know, what happens today sure seems like probably the most important thing that could ever happen in the whole world. And guess what? Tomorrow something's going to happen that maybe is a little more important to us. Yeah. we got to be like water, man. we got to be like do. water when it you comes do. to that. But you got to stand. You know, I think we talked about it before. you got to stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. Exactly. And, um, right now, Pennsylvania needs PFSC to 
be the ones out there protecting what we're living for. You know, our outdoor heritage, our lifestyle. That's what that's what I'm there to protect. And by damned, I'm going to do my best that I possibly can. Well, Dauber, hit them again with the the uh, website and all the contact information, how they get a hold of you, how they get sure, follow you, how they get Sure, we're on Facebook. You. you can look us up, Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists. And also go to www.pfsc.org. And at the top of the page, you're going to see a join button. Hit that. And please join PFSC. And um, September 14th is our next board meeting. And then next March, we have our spring conference. Um, we're not settled yet, but I believe it's going to be at a really cool place located, uh, down in the Carlisle area. Um, a place that the millennials I think would really enjoy. Um, if the weather's good, we might be able to be having some campfires at night, sit around, shoot nice. the bull. Um, things are happening at PFSC and I hope you guys can join us. And Absolutely. So we've got some dates to support. check on our calendar, my yeah, friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, a campfire sounds like a good place for a podcast. Yeah, now <laughs> it's going to be the end of March. You know, it could be 60 or it could be 6. Hey, but yeah. We've been there. We've done that. Yeah. yeah that all works for us. <laughs> We're we, second season hunters in Pennsylvania. Okay. Friend, so. We've got, we've cool. got second year. archery season, so. Cool. But, well, that would be great. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Absolutely. I truly it's am. It's pleasure. Uh, it's an honor to be here and. You know, uh, my friend Doug Lapp kind of set this up, and I want to give him a, sh a final shout-out here that uh, I appreciate everything that he's done in the Sunday hunting fight and uh, getting me up here because you guys are awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we appreciate, you have, have, we appreciate you driving up here. I mean, that was a long, long drive, but Not worth it because it's probably one of the most interesting podcasts we've we've done yet and recorded, and I'm looking forward to getting it out at this point, so... I just want to thank everyone. I will put the link to the PFSC in the show notes, and uh, it'll be all over Facebook, um, the yeah. social media. So uh, definitely going to follow. Won't take up. long to find it. Going to follow up on the on the uh, the membership offers too. We'll okay. uh, we'll sponsor four or five memberships, something like awesome. That. And then, well, uh, thank you guys so much. I yeah, appreciate indeed. that. No problem. I, we appreciate you. So with that, we will wrap it up. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. If you can leave us a, a rating or a review, that would be great for us, and we'd appreciate it. And we will see you in episode 13. Thanks again. Yeah.